Greetings to all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. We're now in lesson 23. Last time we were not able to finish the thought, and that is uh, in terms of the clean and unclean, as we were discussing that in the book of Genesis. And so we quoted a couple of things from Isaiah, at least, you know, the scriptures, references, but not the scriptures themselves. So we're going now to continue with these references themselves. And as we said in Isaiah 65 and verses 3 and 8, this is what God had to say about the clean and unclean in conjunction with his coming to judge the whole earth and the destruction that is going to bring upon humanity. That is, the ones who are disobedient to God, which in essence is the overwhelming majority of mankind. And so in verse 3, he says, uh, A people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, in other words, in spite, they know what I say, they know what the law is, they know what my commandments are, and in spite of that, they continue to provoke me to anger continually, all the time to my face. And these are the people who sacrifice in the gardens and burn incense on altars of Greek. Now, in the past, it was more specific to the people that lived at the time who were literally doing it. Nowadays, only the, only the pagans are doing it in some uh, countries in the Far East. Uh, others continue to do it, in other words, in other ways, that is, uh, by uh, idol worship uh, in terms of uh, spiritually speaking. You know, they worship their car, they worship their, the works of their own hands, and God talks about that also in other places, that too is idol worship. Uh, they worship anything but God himself. Uh, they have their, their teen idols, they have their movie star idols, they have the, the, the sports idols, and so forth. And God, in essence, talks about everybody who is in that attitude. And verse 4, he continues, And who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs. And that was also an ancient custom. And that's how they worship their, their idols. And then he continues, Who eat swine's flesh, that is pork, as we mentioned that, uh, and, and that is unclean food. And the broth of abominable things is in their vessels. So it's talking about people that eat all kind of unclean animals and they cook them and they eat them. And he says, these kind of people are making me uh, angry all the time. They provoke me to anger continually to my face. And then he continues in verse 5. Who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than thou. That's the kind of an attitude they had, uh, that what we do is right, and who are you to tell me what to do? Whatever I do is right. I'm going to tell myself what to do, you're not going to tell me what to do. And especially when people bring the knowledge of the law to them, they hate them even more. And God says about these people, these are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will repay, even repay, into their bosom. And your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord. In other words, these are all kind of things that, God, that uh, God's people used to do. And humanity is doing to this very day that caused God to be very angry because he gave them laws and commandments from the, the Garden of Eden, that is, from the beginning of time. And only one nation, finally, uh, at least temporarily, on and off, uh, was willing to accept the laws of God and abide by it, but even they constantly rebelled against God. And so, the, the item that we're talking about is the clean and unclean food that people eat, even though God told them to eat only the clean but not the unclean, because in doing so, they will not be holy. 
And to be holy, God says, you're going to have to eat what I told you, and that what I told you is holy. And what you don't eat is not holy. And people say, well, we're going to do whatever we want. And so, in, ver- in chapter 66, he repeats also the same. In verse 17, in 66 of Isaiah and verse 17, he speaks again about, uh, before that, uh, he says uh, in verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by by his sword the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. In other words, the first time it was by water, by the flood that he destroyed all of humanity. Now he's going to deal with all of humanity with the sword and with fire. And that's going to be a, quite a bit more painful than the flood. And he said that he's extremely furious and angry with people who abhor and hate his laws. And one of them is the law of clean and unclean animals and other things that God told us not to eat. And birds and things like that. And so in verse 17 he says, those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to the gardens, and that he speaks about the time, time past, and people today were still doing it in other uh, oriental countries, and after an idol in the midst. And this is what they do also, eating swine's flesh and the abomination, that is anything that God said is not clean, it's called abomination to him. And the mouse, and you know a lot of people that eat mice nowadays, especially in the Far East, but even in Western countries, and many of them from the Far East uh, came to the Western countries where the children of Israel are alive. And uh, among them, and even you might find out, people who claim to be the people of the book or the people of God, they too are eating all these, what God calls abominable things. And God says about them, uh, uh, These people shall be consumed together, says the Lord, for I know their works and their thoughts. Just like in the days of old, when all the thoughts of men were all evil. And it shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. In other words, I'm going to judge them. And I'm going to bring uh, destruction on them. And I'm going to uh, show the whole world who is God. And then he ends up uh, uh, in verse 24. After he shows them their judgment, and all the righteous men are left on the earth, and all the evil are destroyed. He says in verse 24, And they, that is speaking about the righteous now, And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. Uh, there shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And here again in this verse, in the last part of it, uh, some people uh, write about their worm does not die, and so they talk about eternal, uh, eternal worm, worm that lives forever. And so you come back again to the to the concept here of the heaven and hell, and probably this would be a good uh, good place uh, maybe to just go through that uh, aspect of the heaven and hell. That is the false doctrines that people have invented because they've listened to the voice of uh, of their own spirit, and to this day many people believe in it. And as I said earlier, that there are an awful lot of preachers out there that are scaring people to death with the punishment that will come. And they're talking about the punishment of their own uh, concepts of the heaven, uh, that is, of going to heaven uh, for the righteous, if you repent, and uh, if you don't, you'll go to hell. And both the so-called Christians and, uh, and, and Jewish preachers are doing it. 
And both of them are wrong because these are not biblical doctrines. And so I think at this point, instead of continuing with uh, Genesis, with the story of Noah, I think this will be a good place to uh, actually discuss this matter because it is very relevant uh, in the days of uh, Adam and Eve, uh, and after the, that, to the days of Noah, I don't know if uh, that doctrine was already there of heaven and hell, but uh, later on, anyway, we know from the story of Babylon that that, develop, that concept developed at that time, and maybe it was earlier, because that's the way the nature of man is, to follow after the wrong spirit, and as God told Adam from the beginning, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't want you to eat, and that's exactly what he did. And so humanity obviously followed in the same path. And when you do that, you're going to have a religion and a theology that has good in it, and that deceives people to think that everything else is good, but also an awful lot of bad. And that's also with the, with the, with the food that they were eating. Uh, God created a lot of food, and it was good. He says, of every herb in the garden, you should eat. And then of animals later on, he told them, of the clean things you can eat. And this is where we come here to... Uh, to uh, Genesis chapter 7 and verse 2, where God told uh, Noah, you shall take with you seven, each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two, each animals that are unclean, a male and his female. So it's making a difference between the two. But men constantly disobeyed the laws of God, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, invented all, all kind of doctrines that did not come from God, but from the wrong source, from the wrong spirit, and one of them is uh, either you can eat anything you want, uh, when God says that he's going to destroy all those people to do it, and the other one that I think I'm going to cover at this point, since we mentioned that several times, and there are people, obviously most people who are listening to these uh, studies uh, do know that, but for the benefit of those who I know are going to listen to it, who are, let's say, from the Jewish community, or even from the Christian community, who have uh, other understanding, that is, wrong doctrines, as, as the Bible would, would make it very plain, about heaven and hell, and likewise also about the clean and unclean. And so for their sake, I think I'm going to devote uh, uh, a little bit of time here, uh, whatever it takes, to speak about the doctrine of heaven and hell, uh, so they can have a better understanding. Then we'll go back to uh, Genesis chapter 7 and verse 2. Because... Whether it was at the time of Noah, whether it is later on, the sins of men are always the same. The deceptions are always the same. The same evil spirits are always the same. And so the same iniquities are always there, and the same thing happens when they do it. They get God very, very angry, and it gets to a point where with all of his love and mercy and long-suffering and patience, he sees that the time has come where I must do something about that or else people are going to go all the way and become just like demons, in which case I'm going to have to obliterate them all, all I mean, totally, in, um, that is eternally, forever and ever. And so the punishment of God comes not because God is extremely only angry, but also because of the mercy of God. God does not want us to reach a point where we go to a point of beyond return. And so we have to take that in mind. And so with this in mind, I'm going to uh, switch now to another subject and then come back to it. As I said, as we study the Bible, sometimes a word will become a subject. Sometimes we may have to digress because it is relevant. And since we have the benefit of having the whole Bible in front of us, we can, take this, uh, uh, we can have this luxury of traveling back and forth uh, through the period of, uh, in essence, now 6,000 years uh, to this point. So that's what I'm going to do now at this point. 
So at this point, let's go through some scriptures, both in the Hebrew scriptures and then later on in the writings of the apostles, or as later on became to be known as the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, let's begin with, uh, I'll, I'll give you several uh, from each. Uh, there are an awful lot of them, there is no need to go through all of them, just enough to uh, give you an idea. In Psalm chapter, that is in Psalm 30, and verse 9, this is what David is saying. And uh, you would think that David, a man according to God's own heart, that David, who was a servant of God, who was a prophet of God, should know what he is talking about. And in verse 9 he says, uh, crying to God, as it says in verse 8, I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made my supplication. And this is what he said. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? That means when I die, when I go to the grave. Will the dust praise you? In other words, those who are in the dust, can they praise you? Will it declare your truth? And he makes it very plain. But when you are dead, you are not capable of doing it anymore. And yet... If the truth is that when, that is a supposed truth, that when man dies, he goes to heaven, well, obviously he can praise God, but David, David says, no, when you die, when you go to the grave, you just can't praise God anymore. So let's continue. Let's see it a little bit more clear as we shall continue. In uh, Psalm 88, let's go to Psalm 88, where we read in uh, verses 10 and 12 the following. Uh, again, uh, this, in this case, it's a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. And this is what they're, what they're writing here. And again, inspired by, by God, by His Spirit, and therefore they do know what they understand. In other words, I'm trying to show you how the nation of Israel, later on the nation of Judah, understood it, and how it became later on. To show you that at a certain point, the doctrine of heaven and hell entered into the Jewish community, and roughly around the time of Philo in Egypt. He, in essence, is the main one that injected the doctrine of the soul, of the immortal soul, into Judaism and being extremely highly respected by the Jewish community, they gradually swallowed that basically uh, ultimate lie that Satan has lied to mankind. And to this very day, is tormenting mankind or humanity uh, with this lie about going to hell. And this is what he says, uh, the sons of Korah says in chapter, and that is in Psalm 88 and verses 10 and, uh, and 12. And so we read here in, in verses uh, 10 and 11, actually 10 to 12. Uh, the sons of Korah begin by saying, Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. And then they ask the question, will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Just like David said. Shall your loving kindnesses be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Because that's basically what the grave is all about. When you are totally destroyed, gone. Exist no more. Shall your wonders, verse 12, be known in the dark, that is, under the ground, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? And the answer is, of course, No. Because when people are dead, they are dead. They cannot communicate with God anymore. They cannot praise God, and God cannot do anything for them at that point. He doesn't show them loving kindness, because they just don't exist. They are simply awaiting the resurrection. Yes, the spirit went up, went up to God, who gave it to them, but that spirit has no body, has no eyes, has no ears, 
has no mouth to speak with, and so it's just sort of dormant, just like somebody who is in a coma. And it's not functioning until God gives it again a body, resurrected, brings it back to life, just like the person who is in a coma. When he comes back to life, when he's able to communicate, and he's becoming conscious of what's happening all around, and he's able to communicate. And so, with death, it's in essence uh, something similar to that. When you're in the grave, you're in a coma. And nobody can do anything for you at that point. Uh, well, we're talking about the ultimate. In uh, some cases, uh, when you're in a, in a coma, people can still read to you and you may not be able uh, to fully comprehend, but you may be able to listen to some. But we're talking about the total, total succession of life and thoughts and feelings and anything. And then we go to Psalm 146, where we have more information about this subject. And basically, as I said, the men of old, the prophets of God, the servants of God, did fully comprehend and understand this matter. But later on, a false doctrine entered and infested the Jewish uh, community with lies and deceptions about heaven and hell, and then also infested from paganism the so-called uh, Christian community. Those things came all from Babylon. They did not come from God. That's why it's called Babylon, confusion. And so in, in Psalm 146 and verses 3 and 4, we read, uh, in this case, again, I think the words of David. And he's saying here, uh, do not, in verse 3, let's begin with verse 3, uh, do not put your trust in princes. This is what the prophet or King David is saying to all people. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the son, in the son of man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth, to his earth. He didn't say his body returns to earth. He says he returns to his earth. Yes, the spirit departs and goes up to God. In that very day, that is when he returns to the earth, as God said to Adam and Eve, for dust you are and unto dust you shall return. And as long as you are in the dust, you are not going to be thinking or doing anything. And so he says, in that day when he returns to the earth, his, his plans, that is his thoughts, his hopes, his dreams, all perish. There is no end. There is no continuation to it and there is no afterlife where he continues on the other side to do all kind of things. Uh, and then in verse 5, well, actually, this is, uh, no, in verse 5 he says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. In other words, in that case, even if you die and you perish, you still have God who is going to resurrect you and give you life. And so that, in essence, is the same thing as was said before. They're building on each other and making knowledge very plain and very understandable. But somehow, even those who read it to this very day, and the Jews read an awful lot of the Psalms, uh, they, they just don't pay too much attention to the Scriptures because by now the doctrine is so deeply entrenched and embedded in their minds and hearts that they think, well, uh, this couldn't be what it may, means. But if you're going to come before God, you're going to be accountable for what you know. And you cannot say, well, I didn't know it. At least at this point, you do know it. In Ecclesiastes, we continue now with the words of uh, King Solomon, who also knew it like everybody else, until, as I said, uh, recent history, which is about 2,000 years ago, when lies and perversions entered into the mind of, uh, of the people who should have known better. And so in chapter 5, uh, uh, that is, uh, Solomon is telling us, chapter 5 and verses 
5 and 6, speaking about the same subject. He says, actually in verse 4, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. You see, as long as you are alive, he says there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. You see? And so it is with men. A man who may be poor and miserable and wretched and, and sick and all that, he's still alive. He can still think and do things. But a rich man, intelligent man, a powerful man who is now dead, it's the same thing like a living dog and a dead lion. In verse 5, for the living know that they will die. Because they're still thinking, they're conscious. But the dead know nothing. When you are dead, you know absolutely nothing. And there is no such a thing as afterlife when you know everything. And they have no more reward, those who die, for their memory, the memory of them is forgotten. Nobody remembers, of the, uh, remembers them, and they themselves don't remember anything. And so that, that is important to remember that. This is what he's saying here. That the memory is totally, is totally gone. Because they can't think anymore. And people forget that. And they think that when I die, after that I go to heaven, and then I come back, and I, and I still think, and, and, and uh, influence things, and people can pray to me, and all these lies have been invented by a demonic spirit and injected into the mind, the mind and the heart of men. But Solomon makes it very plain. The dead know nothing, and they have no more reward for their memory the memory of them, that is, their memory is forgotten. And the memory of them by others is also forgotten. Verse 6, also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything that is done under the sun. In other words, unless they are resurrected and brought back to life, where they can now think again, they have nothing left of them. And never will they ever be able to do anything under the sun. So he makes it very, very plain. And then let's go to, uh, also, uh, again, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that is Kohelet in Hebrew, and in chapter 12 and verse 7. And this is what Solomon says. He says that in verse 7, Then the dust, he begins the chapter by saying, Remember now your, in verse 1, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come, in other words, when you get old and then you die, and then pleasure is gone and you are in darkness. And uh, you can't think and do any, uh, anything anymore. And so he, say, uh, so he ends up the story by saying in verse 7, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, just like as it was said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and verse 19. And the spirit, because when God created Adam... Adam still was not alive until he put a spirit in him. Then he became alive again. And so it is again. When that spirit is taken away and goes back to God, Adam, that is man, or the beast of the field, go back to the state where Adam was before God put the spirit in him. He's there, but he's not breathing. He's not thinking. He's not doing anything. And so is man until God resurrects him again. And God resurrects us by putting again the spirit in us. And giving us a new body, because the body that we have perished in the ground. And so he says, the spirit returns to God who gave it. And therefore his conclusion was, vanity of vanities, or in Hebrew, hevel havalim. In other words, just like vapor. Uh, 
like breath, you know, you breathe and it's out and it's gone. Nothing is left of it, totally perished. And so that's what he says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. In other words, all comes to an end, then what? What's, what's the sense of it all? So some uh, uh, later on, uh, especially in our day, said, well, it's all a cosmic joke. It's all a lie. Well, uh, apparently Solomon still did know that when man ceases, he's gone. It's the end of it, but he, for some reason, did not know beyond that point, which his father David did. And so let's go to Isaiah in chapter 38, which will read this, where uh, we have more information about the same matter. In Isaiah 38, we read what, I say, what uh, the man of God is saying about the subject. In chapter 38, in verses 18 and 19. And you remember, uh, Isaiah, I'm in the wrong book, I'm in Ezekiel. Let's go to Isaiah 38. And the story is about King Hezekiah, where God told him, you're going to die. And he had a sickness from which he was going to die. And then he prayed to God and pleaded with God to, to uh, revive him, to give him health so he would not die. And this is uh, what he was saying, among other things. Uh, he says uh, in verses uh, 18 and 19, he's pleading with God, asking him to give, to give him life. Because otherwise, otherwise, he says in verse 17, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, because he was a righteous man and didn't see why he was going to die. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. And this is basically is a song that he wrote after God delivered him and gave him health. He's, he's praising God. And so he says, uh, this is what he says, you have delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. In other words, if, if you didn't deliver me from death, I would be totally gone. Like uh, all those who said before me, uh, my thoughts would perish, I would be no more. And so he says, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. In other words, you have forgiven me. In verse 18, for Sheol... All that is the grave cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. When people are dead, they just can't do it anymore. Those who go down to the pit, that is to the grave, underground, cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. You see? And it makes it very plain that when you're dead, you're gone. You can't do anything. You don't become a ghost. And you don't go into the, into the spirit world and you function there uh, still alive and thinking and talking and, and, and being able to influence anything on this earth. So these are all demonic doctrines and they came from Satan, they came from demons. And therefore they continually to this very day exploit this deception and so they pretend like as if they, they, they have been resurrected and come from life to life and then so they come into human beings and make them believe that uh, they are their father, or they are their great-great-grandfather, or they are this, or they are that, and they can tell you all the details about those people for the simple reason they knew those people being spirit beings who did not die, and maybe they even possessed them, or influenced them, or lived in them. So, obviously, they know everything about them, and now they come and deceive people to make them believe that they came from the, uh, the, the afterlife, from the other world. It's all demonic. The Bible makes it very plain. The prophets of God make it very plain. God make it very plain. When you die, you are dead until the resurrection, and there is no life beyond it. And so let's go on to, to uh, I mean, there are more scriptures about it. We can do, uh, cover many more, but I think this should be enough from, uh, from the Hebrew scriptures. Let's go to the New Testament, 
uh, for those who say, well, uh, maybe people in the Old Testament uh, were not too smart, they didn't know what they were talking about. Now, let's go also to the New Testament, because, as I said, that affects Judaism, that affects Christianity. These two religions believe in this life, among many other lives. And when the day comes, their eyes are going to be open, and they will realize that the teachers lied to them, because they themselves were being deceived by the same spirit. In Luke chapter 24, for example, uh, at the time when uh, Jesus Christ was already dead, and uh, Mary came to look for his body. And so in chapter 24, in verse 5, we read this. When she came, uh, she saw somebody there. And, uh, you know, they were, they were looking for Jesus. And then she was looking around. In verse 5 we read, Then as they were afraid, that is the women that came to look for, uh, for Jesus, as we read in chapter 24 and verse 1, they came to his tomb. Uh, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, in other words, they saw two men there. Those basically were two angels that stood there. They said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Because see, by that time, he, is no, he was not dead anymore. He was resurrected. And so in verse 6 it says, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. So he's telling the women, the angels are telling the women, why is it that you're looking for somebody who is now alive among the dead? In other words, when you're dead, you're dead. You're not alive. You cannot be alive and dead at the same time. And then, uh, let's go to, uh, to the book of John, where Jesus Christ himself is discussing this subject, and, he's, and he repeated it several times for people who would have a difficult time understanding what he's talking about. And 5 and verse 25 uh, as he's speaking to the people around him, the people of Judah. In John chapter 5 and verse 25, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. In other words, they are dead now, they are awaiting the resurrection, and this is where they are. But when I call on the resurrection, in other words, when I give them back their spirit, they are going to come back to life. And now they are going to be able to hear. Because now dead people don't hear. And that's exactly what he's telling them. And uh, in verse uh, 21, he told them, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. In other words, as long as the Father or Jesus Christ does not give us life or do not give us life, we just don't exist. Until that time, we're dead. And dead people are dead. And you cannot be dead and alive. You see, that that's a contradiction. And then we go to verse 28, where he continues. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves, this is where we are, will hear his voice. That is, once he gives them the spirit, he brings them out of, of the grave. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment, of condemnation. And until that time, we're all, that is, the good and the bad, are dead. We're in the grave. We don't hear. We don't smell. We don't feel. We don't think. Nothing. 
So, that teaching is not different between the Hebrew Scriptures and then the New Testament. It's all the same, because it's all written by the same, by the same God, inspired by the same God, who spoke to both the prophets and the apostles. And then, uh, in verse 29, well, we read that. In other words, the people that God is going to resurrect who are righteous, they will come back to life. That's why it's called the resurrection of life. And those who are not are going to be destroyed, as we read earlier in Isaiah. That the wicked is going to be destroyed and burn, just like stubble, and become ashes. And that's a condemnation. It's not that they're going to live forever and ever and ever. Because there's neither hell nor heaven. It's all a lie that was injected later on. And then in, uh, in chapter 6, let's go to chapter 6, where the same thing is being repeated. And in verse 40, this is what we read. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. That's when the resurrection to life comes. Until that time, they're all totally dead, as was already explained by the Hebrew Scriptures. That when you're dead, you're dead, you're dead as a doorknob. You don't think, your thoughts perish, your hopes perish. You just don't exist. You don't praise God, you don't know God, and He doesn't know you because you don't exist. Until He gives you back your life that was taken away from you. And uh, then in uh, verse 44... No one, he says, verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, all those who ever served God, he said, are going to be dead until the last day. In other words, nobody went to heaven since that time. And nobody is in hell either, because there is no such a thing. See, all those things are lies. And, uh, I mean, you can read on and on and on, because there are many places about it. Let's go to, uh, to the, to chapter one of, uh, this book. Uh, it is John chapter one. And this is what, what Christ, the one that all Christians claim to be their Lord, uh, said about the subject. In chapter one, and, uh, verse eighteen, this is what he said. In verse 17 he said, we read, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see? You see continuity there. And all by the same God. And then verse 18 he adds, No one has seen God at any time. Nobody's ever seen God. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not all the prophets, not all those who lived before him, not all those who lived after him. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He's the only one that saw Him. So for when people think that they are all going to heaven, they are believing lies. Because nobody saw God. They're all dead. They're all awaiting the resurrection. And then uh, in chapter 5 and, and uh, 37, speaking about the same subject, Chapter 5 and verse 37. We read this. When Christ is again speaking to the, to the people around him. He says, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. 
you have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. And yet some of the people of Israel did hear the voice of God, especially all those who stood before Mount Sinai. And Moses saw him, and Abraham saw him, and Jacob saw him, and many others saw him. They saw his form. And Isaiah saw him. You can read in Isaiah chapter 6. But he's talking about the fact that when man is dead, he's dead. He's awaiting the resurrection. Therefore, nobody saw God in heaven. Nobody went up to heaven. And so it's important to see it even from that point of view. As I said, there are many, many other chapters, many other passages to speak about it. Let's go to the book of Acts, where the apostle Peter is speaking about this subject. And he's telling the people of his time about things that people just forgot. And this is what Peter says to the people that assembled in the, in the temple. In verse 29 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. In other words, David did not ascend up to heaven. David is still dead and is with us. And you can see it again and again and again. And in verse 34, he makes it even very, very plain. He says, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, that is the Father, said to my direct Lord, which is the one that became Jesus Christ, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And this is very, very plain. Now, a lot of people want to argue about this and that and the other thing. Well, if they want to go to the Bible and have truth and worship God in truth and in spirit, they must discard their ideas which are contrary to the word of God. And that is applicable to both. Those who are in the Jewish community or in the Christian community, both have swallowed lies that were perpetuated from times of old, from Babylon, by demonic spirits who are enacting this supposed people coming back from the dead and speaking to you, and all those things, or people came from the afterlife, they're all games of demons, and that's exactly what happened to, to King Saul, who was commanded by God in the law. You should not seek to those of familiar spirits. And so that's exactly what he did, because he couldn't get hold of, uh, of God. God wouldn't respond to him, and there was no Samuel around. So he went to a, to a person that could conjure demons, supposedly dead spirits. And the person that appeared there and spoke as if he was Samuel was actually a demon that God himself sent. Because God reveals to us in the Bible and sometimes that he's using even demons to go and deceive his own people if this is the kind of, of way that they want to walk in. And so there is no such a thing as heaven or hell. The Bible makes it very plain. And so when we go to the beginning when God said to Adam, in the day that you, you eat of that fruit you shall surely die, and Satan came and, and brought that lie. No, you're not going to die. So he began that lie from the beginning. The doctrine of the immortal soul, as it is called. Yet the Bible made it very, very plain, scripture after scripture, that when you are dead, you are dead, and you await the resurrection, and until that time, you're in the grave. And so with that in mind, let's just go back to uh, Genesis chapter 7. I think we, we gave enough information for those who are interested. Uh, there are many other, uh, other passages in the Bible that make it very, very plain. And it's important to realize that the one that is called the devil, Satan, he had deceived the whole world. That's exactly what we are told in many places, and it's specific in the book of Revelation. That the serpent, 
is the devil. That is in chapter 12, verse 2, speaking about the devil. He's the one that deceived the whole world, and the whole world is deceived by him. And so we should remember that and not follow lies. At this point, let me add two scriptures. One is from the Old Testament, and another one from the New Testament, uh, regarding this matter. And hopefully that should be enough for this subject. Uh, anybody can study the whole Bible. There are an awful lot of scriptures out there, and if our mind is open, we can see it very clearly from the beginning until the end. And especially if we are willing to lay aside whatever concepts and ideas we received uh, without even checking into it. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 12, God is speaking to Daniel, revealing to him in person and through the angels, uh, mainly Gabriel, uh, an awful lot of details about the future of his people. And this is what he says about the end time in chapter 12 and verse 1. And uh, the subject, of course, uh, that we're talking about is hell and, and, uh, and heaven, or heaven and hell. At the time, at that time, Michael, that is at the end time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. In other words, Michael is in charge of the nation of Israel. And as you can see from a previous chapter, uh, different nations have their own angel, either a good angel or a bad angel. Uh, and uh, in the case of Israel, the angel that stands over the nation of Israel to protect Israel, to... Uh, do the battle on behalf of Israel is the one that God appointed, and that is the archangel Michael. And he is over the nation of Israel, no other nations. And so he says, At that time Michael shall stand up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. That is his job, in essence. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And Matthew 24, you read about the same subject even to that time. And at that time, your people, the people of Daniel, the people of Israel, not only Judah, but all of Israel, shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, those are the ones that are going to be delivered, not everybody. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. In other words, he's making it very plain. Everybody is dead. They are not in heaven, they are not in hell. They are sleeping in the earth, in the dust of the earth. As God told Adam, for dust you are and unto dust you shall return. And this is where you are. You don't go to heaven or you don't go to hell. There you are waiting until the resurrection. And so those who are sleeping in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now if you are in heaven, you don't need to awake because you are already alive. Awake means come back to life, be resurrected. And likewise, if you are in hell, suffering, you, again, you are still alive. You don't need to wake up. You don't need to be resurrected. So obviously, that is totally an error. And it's not from the mind of God, and it's not from the word of God. It's all doctrines of demons. And so he says, some are going to awake to everlasting life. That means they've been dead. Now they're going to have everlasting life. Now they can live forever and ever. And some to shame and or everlasting contempt. And this concept here is not expounded clearly. And then you have to go to Malachi, where God makes it very plain what he's talking about. And in Malachi, you basically read the graphic state of the people that would disobey God and reject his path, and as the Bible calls, the wicked. And so in chapter 4 we read in Malachi, Malachi in Hebrew, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, 
We already read that one before uh, in a different context. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. That's how they're going to be, stubble. You see, this is what Daniel, uh, what was revealed to Daniel. They're going to go to everlasting contempt. They're going to be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. That's the everlasting contempt, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow like fat ca- uh, stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, the ones who went into everlasting contempt. You shall trample the wicked, for there shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. And this is the everlasting contempt that Michael is telling Daniel about. So this is the fate of the dead. They're going to be ashes. They're not going to hell. They're not going to suffer forever and ever. They're not going to be screaming and yelling. All that is demonic in nature and has nothing to do with the truth. And yet, people who call themselves members of the great religions have swallowed doctrine of demons and they believe that this is true. And all their lives, they're living to that end. Either go to heaven, the majority of them, and only very few of them uh, even believe that they're going to go to hell, knowing that they're evil people. And therefore, uh, the Bible makes it very clear uh, that those who read the word of God, who walk in the light, as David said, your word is a candle to my feet. Those who follow that light, they're not, con- they're not deceived, they don't believe lies, they worship God in truth and in spirit. And it's very unfortunate that people who call themselves religious don't even bother to study the word of God to really know what's in it and totally forget about all the lies that have been taught by others. And now for a final scripture, let's go to John chapter 3 and verse 13 and hear the words of the Master himself, where he says to Nicodemus in verse 13, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And in other words, as he said, he that has an ear, let him hear. With that, we're going to stop now. This is again Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions. The Bible has answers.